Dominus Vobiscum. That conspiratum tuo. Are you the only one that knew that? No, I knew that. Okay. I hope you, I hope you knew the next <laughs> part. I don't laughing. know. <laughs> Welcome to Restless. This is Father Joseph Gill, a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you're, you have joined Diane, Joe, and Lauren as today we restlessly seek the face of God in the beauty of the liturgy. And today's topic is one that is going to be uh, potentially controversial, probably shouldn't be, but it's a beautiful uh, way in which we worship, and that is the traditional Latin Mass. So, first of all, I just want to hear from you about your own experience of the traditional Latin Mass. Have you been to one? And if so, what has been your experience of it? Uh, so, yes, I've been to uh, probably like 10 or so um, traditional Latin Masses. And honestly, the first time that I went, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was super confusing. I didn't even know that they started. Like, we were at the <laughs> gospel. Like, I mean, it is so confusing if you walk in there. You're not with anyone. You don't have a missile. You have no, it's all Latin chant, everything. Um, I felt like a fish out of water. But it is, once you, like, get past that, it's so beautiful because you have all this time for silence and prayer that's built in. Um, I would say, I mean, I go to the solemn mass at St. John's in Stanford, which is a novus ordo, but it's solemn. So it's kind of like, to me, the best of both worlds because you get the Latin and you get a like longer prayer time um, and beautiful sacred music. But, uh, you know, it's it's not predominantly in Latin. Yeah, it's not the but traditional not Latin mass. That's true. Uh, yeah, I went to, I've been to one traditional Latin Mass in my life when I was at Maris. A friend of mine invited me to a low Mass at St. Patrick's, which was um, Highland, maybe, or something like that in New York. Um, it was not, it did not fit the stereotype of TLM Masses among conservative Catholics, by which I mean it was not a thriving community of young couples with 100 kids. It was <laughs> like, you know, maybe a dozen and a half people above the age of 70, and then us. Who, you know, um, well, it was a low mass though. So. It was low mass, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was low mass. Um, so probably no music, right? Mm. No music. Um, we had a little missile. I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. It, it was beautiful, still, obviously. Um, yeah, I never haven't been back. Not because I don't want to, but because I wouldn't even know where where to. And Bethel is not exactly a, a, a ton of a uh, hub of no. Well, there used well, to be in um, Danbury. There used to be, but but Father Clark's no longer at Saint uh, Patrick's or Peter's, wherever he or. He's at St. Joseph's, but now he's at Sacred Heart in Georgetown, which is not far from Bethel. That is true. Latin Mass every Sunday. I didn't where he was. All right, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll pursue it. Yeah. That, that church in Georgetown is about the size of, like, my bedroom. <laughs> it seats, like, 25 people mm. <laughs> max, but it's beautiful. Have you ever been to one, Lauren? I don't think so, no. Oh, you'd remember yeah, if you were. <laughs> I'm going with no. Okay. Have you ever concelebrated one? I know you, you know you haven't celebrated one. Well, you can't concelebrate, can't you? Oh, you there is no concelebration. Yeah. yeah. So I've okay. I have sat in choir uh, okay. for at least one, um, but I've been to probably maybe five or six in my life. And uh, yeah, I like like Diane. It's definitely confusing. Um, even with the missile, I was still confused. Yeah. Because you have to know you have to know Latin, and and especially when they do even the scripture readings in Latin. Yeah. Kind of like wow, I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on here. So it is. It, it does force you to be a lot more um, engaged, perhaps, because you can't just sit there passively and allow yourself to take in what's happening. You have to really mm. wrestle with what's happening. Mm. So, of course, recently in the church, that has been somewhat controversial, this traditional Latin Mass. Tell us a little bit about the controversy, Joe. You're, you're our expert. Someone's going to write in and say he got this very wrong. So I apologize in advance to whoever you are. Um, <laughs> and you know who you are. Um, 
my brief overview of it would be that at some point in his papacy, Pope Benedict XVI issued a motu proprio called um, Summorum Pontificum. 2008. Okay, thank you. I do know the date on that. Okay, which gave, basically to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, Father, gave all Roman priests, by which I mean Latin priests, non-Western, non-Eastern churches, the right to, to celebrate the traditional Latin mass, as it was then called, as they wanted. I believe not even, they didn't even need permission from the bishops. Is that correct? Correct, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the status quo for a very long time. Until this past summer, maybe, Pope Francis issued a new motu proprio called Traditionis Custodes, which completely changed that and which basically makes it the purview of the bishop to decide what priests can celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. It also standardized by which missal it had to be celebrated. I believe it requires readings to be done in vernacular, not in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, it does a lot of other things. It, requ- it forces... And, and there was a subsequent um, clarif- response to a dubia by the Congregation for the Divine Worship and the Sacraments. So explain a dubia? Now the dicastery. <laughs> dubia is a, is a question submitted to the Vatican by usually a bishop or something like that. And um, this and this and has legislative force, to my knowledge. And this clarification kind of went further on some of these reforms. So there are things like um, an, a, a, a priest ordained after the promulgation of the motu proprio, their name must be submitted to the Vatican for approval yeah, I'm yes. right about that. Yes. The, the, what is now called the Uses Antiquator Mass, not the TLM Mass or the Tuition Mass. Um, and there are other reforms, and it gave diocesan bishops a lot more power to regulate it. So, like for example, Cardinal Cupich, who is the Cardinal Archbishop of um, Chicago, has made it such that um, I think I think parishes are required or are prohibited from celebrating the Tuition Latin Mass. Um, on the first Sunday of the month or something like that and he's restricted at orientum in some ways I think and, and and then there's some weird things with the motu about like well there's you can't have like a designated church as that's TLM but also you can and it has to be in a different building but there are no it's it gets a little complicated is what it actually means it's still being sussed out I think by canon lawyers yeah but that's that would be my overview such as it's accurate so I mean, what do you think of this controversy? I mean, what do you think of the, the Latin Mass in general? Because it's, it is seeing somewhat of a renaissance I think in the church I mean when I was growing up I never even heard of it Really? I mean, until, until I went to college, and then I went to one in college, which was a 45-minute drive away from Steubenville. But now it seems to be popping up here and there, and like a lot of the younger priests are celebrating it. And I don't know. What's your reaction to that? Okay, I would just, I would just say that... Um, here's how I read it, right? Uh, this is something that Matt Fratt has said, which I think is exactly right, which is it's, uh, there's a certain type of especially younger Catholic who gets very traditional very fast in terms of their liturgical preferences, and it's easy to look at that and say, well, that's a little weird. But I think you have to understand in a context that tradition was really ripped out of a lot of churches very quickly after the council. It really was. And yeah. so then if you walk into this and you don't like Father Trendy strumming his guitar and playing CDs of, you know, various... Um, I take offense at that. Do you? I don't <laughs> As a guitarist. Yeah, but you're not Father Trendy. Um, yeah, if you don't like that, if you don't, li- if you don't like sort of like watered-down Novus Ordo Mass, um, then this is maybe your alternative. And you don't have a sort of like... You don't have a memory of tradition to go back on, so you just jump into it all of a sudden, and you and you get kind of swept into the whole thing, and it becomes a very weird cultural thing. I've lost track of what your question was. I'm realizing <laughs> as I'm talking about it, that's okay. I, I enjoy your your diversion. Um, I think the question was, you know, what what do you, what's your take on why is it experiencing renaissance? And oh, because people want tradition and, and they don't know where to get it. And so this is the source of it. I think that's my answer. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, there really is predominantly nowadays a lack of reverence in celebrating you know the mass the novus ordo mass um and i mean i guess there it's definitely like the controversy is heated 
uh, I think that stems kind of back to what Joe was talking about in the council of like the question of continuity. Like, is this new mass completely new or is it like in accord with how it's always been celebrated? Um, and I think a lot of people have taken, uh, you know, sort of the stance that, and, and there's the controversy too of like, right, that is, was Vatican II a pastoral council? Did it actually, you know, have weight? There, There's a spectrum of people on sort of like the traditional, you know, the lens of way, the way that they look at it. But I think, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like there is something when you walk into a traditional Latin mass or a, a solemn mass in Novus Ordo that is like celebrated very reverently that, you know, really makes you aware of the divine, right? And raises your heart to that as mm. opposed to like going into some bare bones, you know, like Protestant looking church essentially because after Vatican II, a lot of these churches were stripped of their beauty um, and, you know, with guitars and pianos and songs about like, how does Jesus make me feel? Um, it's like you kind of lose what are we doing here and sort of the the gra- the grandeur of, of who God is, like God is, is king. And um, I think that the traditional mass and like those very reverently celebrated solemn Novus Ordo masses that have sacred music and a lot of incense and are in beautiful settings um, do raise your mind and your heart to God and create like a reverence for for what we're doing at mass, which is like the greatest prayer that you could offer. Yeah, there's a seriousness where people are like, we take our faith seriously. Yeah. In because of, because of the effort it takes. Yeah, but it makes you believe it too, right? So if you're walking into a a parish, I've walked into many parishes where I'm like, what the heck is this? There's guitars. There's people talking all over the place. Like you can tell that that they don't understand, either don't understand or don't care that Jesus is present, right? But that I think is as a result, a product of the environment, you know, that there that mass is being set in. Yeah, that there's a complete lack of reverence, and we're losing. Like, who is here? I mean, this this is Christ the King. Yeah, and in many ways, it does it does begin with the priest reverence. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I gosh, growing up in Baltimore, we had some wacky wacky masses, and I, I mean, priests would make up their own Eucharistic prayer, oh. and just you know the stuff that I had to endure, you know, growing up. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a wonder that that anyone stayed Catholic. Well, you know, the other thing about the traditional Latin mass, and a shorthand we'll keep using, even though I guess it's technically been abrogated by the Holy Father, but that's easier than uses Antiquator. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, one, the other thing is that, like, there's no mistaking the sacrificial nature of a, of a traditional Latin mass. I mean, if you have a, a particularly irreverently celebrated Novus Ordo, Novus Ordo mass, you can miss the fact that it's sacrificed and it becomes just like a sort of communal meal or like a presentation or like a comedy hour or, you know, with Father. And like, you don't have that with the TLM. It's very obvious what you're doing there. There's an altar and everything revolves around the altar and it's very clearly seriously about the sacrificial act of the mass, which is just different. It's, it's, that's lost in a lot of Novus Ordo contexts. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So if, I mean, all these things sound so beautiful, so why is there a controversy in the church? Do you feel like the traditional Latin mass divides the church? I don't think I can comment. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go, Lauren. Gotta... <laughs> I definitely think it does. I mean, there are some hardcore TLM folks and there are some hardcore liberal folks. And again, there's a spectrum, right? But the hardcore TLM are, you know, don't believe that the Novus or I mean, you, you have, I think... SSPX, right? The Society of St. Pius X. St. Pius X. Those people, I believe, don't um, 
don't believe that uh, the Novus Order was even a valid mass, right? Um, it depends. It depends. I know some families that are SSPX that, that do also come to mm-hmm. the Novus Ordo and, and receive communion there, so they okay. admit that it's valid. But yeah, I mean, but there are some people on that spectrum that some you don't, know, like yeah. don't, you know, are basically don't think that Vatican II was valid, you know, like don't accept it. And there are people on the other side of the spectrum who are just like, everything goes, you know, <laughs> interpret Vatican II for what it is. And you've seen that in terms of how priests celebrate mass, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure that they've, they've received their opinion from what they've experienced and some of them enjoy that. Um, so there is a heated controversy in terms of like traditionalists getting super heated about to Joe's point, and, and I mean, I, I do too, and I'm not like a TLM person, but it's like the, there's something there's something to be said about like the sacrifice of the mass and there should be a reverence for it. And a lot of times there's not at um, many of these Novus Ordo masses. So they just, you know, like they, they clash. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very easy to overstate. And I think this is the source of a lot of conflict. It's very easy to overstate the percentage of the TLM crowd that's actually like denies the validity of the Francis Pontificate or the Second Vatican Council or the Novus Ordo. Like, I've never met one. I mean, have you, Father? I'm sure you maybe you, you probably met, met one or two um, people, but like, I, I, not really. I, I have, I, I, not really. I travel in some, you know, more traditional circle. I mean, have you guys ever met a single person who denied the validity of either of those three who wasn't already a member of, SS, of SSPX or something like that? Um, actually, no, I take that back. No, I one do. Or two, maybe. <laughs> I, like, I do know a couple. But like, no, that comes right. to mind. The majority probably like, enough don't. To, and, and, and I mean, the thought experiment I always suggest is take the average crowd at a Novus Ordo at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and the average TLM crowd at the same time and pull them. And what's higher, the percentage of the Novus Ordo crowd who doesn't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist or the TLM crowd and the percentage of them who believe that, insert this thing that's not valid, Novus Ordo, the Second Vatican Council, the Pontific, whatever it is. Like, very obviously, to me at least, the actual problem is not a, 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 a schismatic or like anti-papal thought stream in the TLM crowd. I'm sure it's there, but I don't think it's dominant. No. I see no evidence that it's dominant. And I think that we treat it as if it is sometimes. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I was going to say something and I totally lost my train well, of Well, your other point, though, is very good about sort of like the, uh, I think, what is it, that Pew poll Yeah, 70% research, of, of Catholics, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. And, uh, you know, to me, that's honestly, in thinking about it, no surprise for some of the Novus Ordo masses that I've attended. I mean, there's just a, there's a lack of reverence. So if the priest is not acting like Jesus is present, how are parishioners going to who are and and granted we all have a I'm not saying like we definitely have a responsibility to you know to form ourselves and to grow in knowledge and in love um, of of God. But I mean, for the people who go, only go to mass once a week, um, it's sometimes going to those masses. It's like you. I, I'm sitting in the pew and I'm like, no wonder they don't believe because, yeah. you know, they're not they're not well formed. But the priest is not <laughs> showing that he is believes. not showing that he believes. And so, right. you know, then you have all of all the problems with sacrilegious communions and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, well, I think we do sometimes forget that we are we are body soul composites and our bodies need to experience the reverence of the Eucharist as much as our minds do. And. Yeah. You know, right now the bishops, United States bishops, are embarking on this three-year campaign of Eucharistic reverence, and and some of it has, I'm sure, good intentions behind it. They're going to have a big Eucharistic um, conference, I guess, in Indianapolis, and they're going to have um, 
these Eucharistic preachers go out to all the, the you know, different parishes and things, which is a, a beautiful idea. Um, it is going to cost $24 million, which is kind of a hefty price tag. And I thought to myself, you know what would actually increase Eucharistic reverence? Just to have people receive kneeling on the tongue. And that's free. Yeah. It doesn't cost any money, you know, because we're body and soul. And, and you can't deny that something special is happening if you're kneeling in front of it and receiving it on your tongue. Mm. You just can't deny that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Father Lapistino too, he gave, he's the pastor at St. John's in Stanford. He gave a beautiful talk uh, in the rectory on the Eucharist. It was a series, and um, he said specifically about kneeling. It's, um, you know, like you're kneeling before a king, but it was also a be- beautiful image that he gave of Jesus, you know, feeding us himself. And, and so, you know, like we're being fed by him as opposed to like on your hands when you're kind of, you know, taking it and feeding yourself, Yeah, um, being fed by God. So I thought that was a, another beautiful image and kind of helped me to like reiterate the fact that like that's why I received communion kneeling. Now, I will I will take a little bit of quibble, though, with uh, there's a priest in our diocese who I'm very close friends with, but he who only celebrates the traditional Latin mass. And he's he commissioned a study a few years ago about kind of what you were talking about, Joe, about like the theological opinions of those who mm-hmm. go to the traditional Latin mass and, yeah. and those who go to Novus Ordo. And he found, you know, similar things that people that go to traditional Latin mass don't contracept and that, you know, they believe in the real presence. And he was using that study to say, well, look, the traditional Latin mass causes an increase of faith. Yeah. And my response to him was, it's not causation, it's cause, it's correlation. So it attracts people that are already fervent Catholics. And, and that was what I challenged him with, was said, the traditional Latin Mass is beautiful, but how can you use that to evangelize somebody that's on the fringes, somebody that's right. you know an average parish goer who does contraception, who doesn't believe? Right. I mean, do you just simply just walk into St. Stephen's, whatever, and just say, all right, traditional Latin Mass next Sunday, right. like it or not, you know, I mean, there's got to be a gradual... I don't know what the gradual um, well, and you know, you're right. piece is there. And sometimes the TLM people, they kind of wash, like kind of poo-poo the serious barriers to entry to actually actually participating in a TLM mass. Like they act like, oh yeah, well, you know, you just just in, you know embrace the mystery. Say, That's nice. But if you don't actually speak Latin, why are you listening to gospel <laughs> reading in Latin? Like it does like, like it's on, a, on, a, just on a fundamental level, if I said to you, embrace the mystery, I'm going to read it to you in, in, in German tomorrow, you'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. I don't speak German. It's like, well, right. <laughs> right, you don't. So like, I think that that's one good thing about, about Tristionus Custodes is, yeah, you should get the readings in vernacular because the readings are, are not, I would say not first- our prayer to God, but God's word to us. Right. <laughs> right. So there's a difference there. And I think that's maybe one step where it's like, yeah, maybe the whole thing doesn't need to be in Latin. Maybe there should be some vernacular in the readings, you know, at least in the homily, obviously has to be in vernacular unless the priest is particularly skilled to Latin. <laughs> oh yeah, well, gosh. When I, I teach uh, here at Cardinal Kong Academy and I have a couple of kids that are ex- pretty exclusively Latin mass in my class. And we were talking about, okay, how do you actively participate in the mass? Cause that's really the, that was the theme of the second Vatican council's um, sacrosanctum concilium was the idea of full conscious and active participation in the mass. Um, and they said, well, the way we participate in the Mass is we pray the Rosary. Ugh. And I said, no, that's not how you should be participating. In the-. They're like, well, but, but why? We're there, we're praying. I'm like, no, that's, but that's not the right time to pray the Rosary. I love the Rosary, but not during Mass. Right. And- yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think um, one of the beautiful things about sort of the Novus Ordo um, is the fact that like the Eucharistic prayer, especially because we're called to participate and make our own sacrifice, you know, you follow the words and you, you kind of understand what, um, that we're not just uh, bystanders in the pew, you know, just sitting there. It's not about entertainment, it's about worship. And so what do we bring to God? I think it's very helpful to kind of meditate on the words of the Eucharistic prayers. Right. 
We can't re- forget that the traditional La- that the Novus Ordo came out of a, a context, and the context was that that there were real issues. There were some real issues with the traditional Latin Mass. One of which is you know the disconnect of the people who would do their own devotions during Mass. Yeah. Another one I'll never forget reading Saint Alphonsus Liguori said that if a priest celebrates Mass in less than fifteen minutes, he commits a mortal sin. And I read that, and I'm like, how in the world is that even possible yeah. to celebrate Mass in less than 15 minutes? But apparently, for low Masses, that was common, hmm. to say a Mass in 10 minutes. And that was that mentality of, well, I, you know, it's the sacrifice, it's, it's the objective reality, forget about the people in the pew, forget about even my own holiness as the priest. You know, I, just, I just have to say the words as fast as I can to right. make the sacrifice acceptable. And that's why the church said, no, let's, let's take a step back and kind of look at that and say, let's actually... Because we, we think the traditional Latin Mass for centuries was always Palestrina, and you know choral music at every one. Right. No, there was a ton of low masses because you had to do you know mass every hour on the hour yeah, in those parishes, right? Yeah, so. and that also, to my knowledge, came out of a context in which there were so many priests that you actually didn't have enough parishioners for them to all say mass for them. So you'd have these side altar situations where priests were actually celebrating low masses by themselves because there were no parishioners for them, and like that's not where we are now. So that that, that, <laughs> well, that's that true. context shouldn't be reigning today, right? Like there's less of a need for low mass. And the low mass, the reason you couldn't hear because you didn't need to hear because you weren't listening anyway, because there was an actual high mass happening in front of you too. So like, yeah, this, yeah, right. Jesus didn't, right. The apostles didn't start celebrating mass at Orientum in Latin, you know, three days after Pentecost. Like, or, right. like that wasn't the historical context fixed forever. It changed, that changed too. I mean, the, the original right. language, of course, was Greek. But I think your point about rushing, right? So that's the thing that got me to start going to the solemn mass at St. John's, which when I first walked in there, I was like, you know, Back in the day, I was I was so intimidated. It was almost like the first time you go into a Latin mass, you almost feel like these people are like I have a mark on my face, and they know that I'm not one of them, you know. <laughs> and so when I went to St. John's for the first time too to the solemn mass, I was like, these people know that I'm not one of them. But it was beautiful because I find a lot of the Novus Ordo masses nowadays are rushed even if it's 45 minutes it's like you're you're just going from one thing to the other to the other there's no time for prayer or meditation or anything there's there's no silence in the mass and and that's sad to me i mean i'm i'm fortunate to be able to go to daily mass every day and um you know i read the readings in advance which i encourage everyone to do but i mean it's just for people who don't i just sit there and i'm like no wonder that they probably don't get anything out of this because if you're not reading the readings in advance and the Sunday Mass is over in 30 to 45 minutes. Um, I mean, that's really fast. That's, Whereas that's at, really fast. Like at St. John's, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like, can we, you know. Yeah, uh, pick up the pace here? Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, there was a priest at St. John's who would pride himself on the 12-minute daily Mass. Yeah, yeah. 12 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> I can't but, get through the readings in 12 but minutes. But there is something to be said about just like the music sort of just forcing you to slow down and be silent. Yeah. You know, because I think that's a big problem in our society today. Like people have such uh, like attention problems because of our smartphones and technology that they can't like it. Like it's bothersome to sit in silence for that long of like, what, what am I doing? What am, you know. So can I go back to something you said at the very beginning? Yeah. Uh, you said something about like walking in and feeling like you had a mark on your yeah. face. And I think that is, there's a stereotype of traditional Latin mass Catholics being very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Have you found that to be the case? I am not sure, really. I don't really know what people truly think. Um, you, you felt that. Yeah, You didn't definitely. feel like it was necessarily welcomed into Yeah, the- and I also wasn't wearing like a veil or anything, you know, so. <gasps> yeah, I know. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. Even the computer gas. right there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you can't help but feel like a fish out of water, you know? So 
And I, I honestly, I mean, I'm sure, Joe, to your point, you know, maybe this is just a, a just a misconception, but... Um, I'm sure there's truth to it. I'm sure there's truth to I'm it. I'm sure there are some people. Yeah. I'm sure there's other people who don't care, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, heard of one story of um, someone who is uh, late 60s, like early 70s, going on and on and on to our friend Father Connaughton about the traditional Latin mass and how it's the best form of the mass and the only form that the mass should be done and and such. And Father John's church doesn't do this, of course. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like just listening, listening, listening. Then I find out after the fact that this person doesn't even go to mass anymore. And it's just so funny, right? Yeah. Like they're mm. they're stuck in the old tradition and this is the only way, only way, but they aren't even practicing any longer for whatever reasons. I don't know what those may be. Mm. Hmm. And there's definitely a certain like one upsmanship, especially like an online trad culture where it's like, oh this is invalid. Well, this is invalid. Well, I, this is invalid. So, well, you know, I'm only, only, you know, Pope Alexander the first. It's like, all right, well, let's think of a random Pope, like, you know, like, you know <laughs> only Gregory the first and nothing after that. It's like, all right, well, calm down a minute. Like, you know, like it, it does get, it, it can get a little silly. I mean, my, I don't, I haven't been to very many of, of, of so I've been to one of these masses. And so my typical encounter with these people is like in a social setting because I'm a very cool person and hang out and all kinds of you know, very, <laughs> we're all the cool Catholics. We're great parties where there are lots of TLM people, and um, they're always just happy that somebody who goes to Novus Ordo like is willing to hear them out and likes beauty in the liturgy. So, like, that's been my experience. But it has to be the case that there's judgment, you know, because and not and probably based on some things that are that are actual real criticisms of the Novus Ordo. Yeah, right. But which nonetheless doesn't give you right to judge people, you know. Yeah, and of course, I mean. Without a doubt, there's judgment within Novus Ordo. A hardcore of people too. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just within the human heart, but but that can be a stereotype. And and uh, what other stereotypes uh, sometimes are out there with the TLM community? I think there's just like holier than thou, you know, sort of. Uh, that's that's a big one. Big families. Big right. families. Yeah. That's a great thing. I wish there were more big families. Yeah. So is the traditional Latin mass where the call and response is only priest to altar server? Is that the case? It depends. That would be a low okay. mass, right? Because the only thing that I know about it is my grandpa saying that he used to be an altar server and that he mm-hmm. couldn't cut it because he could not yeah. learn Latin. <laughs> that's my only impression. That's funny. Yeah. But I think that's actually a, a, maybe a misconception people have. A traditional Latin mass is not when you're is not a novus ordo where you where you you know where the agnus Dei is in Latin instead of English. That's not like that's a novus ordo. And the traditional mass is actually different in structure. Like mm-hmm. it's longer, it's different prayers, it's just different words. Even if you're different order, yeah. order, different order. Yeah. So like that's actually different. It's a different thing. And I know what we're eventually going to talk about with the way they can interplay with each other. And that was the original hope of Pope Benedict XVI with. Um, uh, somewhere in Pontificum was that the two rites would inform the other, each other, mm-hmm. and whether that has happened or not is a matter for debate. I suppose the Holy Father doesn't think so, and that's why he promulgated this new mode proprio. But yeah, <clears throat> so I have a question that may be dumb. I don't know, but I understand that um, we have documents from very early on in the Church of the structure of the Mass. We do, and that we like the Mass that we celebrate today follows that, but. Uh, do both the Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo Mass follow it in the same structure, or has the structure changed? You know, there's been different different elements. The, the, the overall structure is the same, but there's different elements that were actually very present in the early Mass that, that then faded away. For example, the sign of peace is from the early church, yeah. and it's, it was always done until, um, I think probably until Gregory the Great, when he kind of codified the entire Mass. So you know, for seven centuries that was done, and that was brought back 
but that's not okay. a you know 1970s invention. And that was the way that was done was by waving your two fingers obnoxiously in the air to people across the room, right? <laughs> they, would, like, they would wave their, they would gesticulate wildly with their fingers. Well, they used to call wave, it. Well, you don't they, like you know, that, oh, Joe? Good to see, good to see you with squeeze the elbow. And oh, how are how are the kids? That was how they did it, right? Definitely, or that's like how they did that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that, that's what that's what the kiss of peace meant, right? Right. It was the, the kiss people, of yeah, peace, right? and so it wasn't just a sign. You actually leaned in for you know a fraternal kiss. I don't know whether you actually made contact, but. Like one of those, like, I don't think they do ordination, right? You kind of just yeah, you just kind of like do like the face in. I love, as an aside, I, I loved watching. I watched the ordination mass on Facebook, so I got to see really close. I, I did too. I loved watching all the priests try to figure out which way do they go and left, right, and poor Father Lomnitzer couldn't like keep up with them. You know, oh, no. <laughs> right, left, people yeah, changing on him. Side. One side, you know, t- <laughs> both sides. One side it was very funny. That's a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> struggle is very real. But I think to Lauren's point, um, Saint Justin. Uh, martyr he wrote like the, in the first apology kind of described what christian worship looked like back then and it seemed like based on what i read that you know uh, the, the novus Ordo does follow that you know but there there have been um i think even uh, w- i think another misconception right is that the the tlm like was celebrated consistently like that for 2000 years but hasn't it always changed i mean you know gregory the great um, really kind of codified it. So there were, there were different yeah. rites around, and there there's still even, you know, even after Trent, there were different rites around because there right. was a, a rite that was called the Ambrosian Rite, which is only celebrated in Milan, the only place in the world you could celebrate it. Or there's yeah. one in Toledo, Spain. You can only celebrate in Toledo. The Dominican Rite, probably. I mean, I don't know. How um, Dominican Rite, which, yeah, that's not... But prior to Trent, off, I mean, it was but, always developing, right? So... Um, yeah, not, not so much, really. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it was actually pretty... Pretty much written down by Gregory the Great, which is in the seventh seventh century. But I think we would assume so because of our experience with the Novus Ordo. I think that gets to a, I think, a very legitimate criticism from the TLM crowd against the Novus Ordo crowd, which is that you have you have these centuries of mostly stagnation in the liturgy, and whether you think that's good or bad is a que- good, good is a good question. But then you have the Second Vatican Council, which calls for things like the preservation of Gregorian chant, the use of, potentially of of Adorantum Mass. Latin, and you have these priests who are like, well, I, the spirit of Vatican II told me that there should be guitars everywhere, and there should be no altar rails, and you have to receive on the to- on, on the hand, and we have to sing one bread, one body, eight times a week, or it's not valid. <laughs> like, that's not, that wasn't in Sacrosanctum Concilium. Like, no. Oh, so, like, gosh. the actual, like, Vatican II reforms to the Mass, had we gotten them, would have been great, and probably would have resolved a lot of these tensions. Right. And I think that we can't overlook the fact there are a lot of priests and bishops who refuse to celebrate the liturgy reverently in accordance with tradition and then want to turn around and say, well, how dare you want tradition in this way? So if you were giving it to us, we wouldn't be feeling, we, there wouldn't be this, this big draw to the TLM if the Novus Ordo was feeding people. So the it TLM is, really kind of is a reaction to what we've seen over oh, the last seven no years. I think question about that. Yeah, yeah I would agree. It's not, it's, not like, like, it's not like people remember growing up that way at this point. So it has to be a reaction. It's not organic yeah, in that way. that's very true. Well, unfortunately, we've ran out of time, but I think we'll continue this uh, conversation in a little bit. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless, this controversial episode. You can find us on 1350, Veritas Catholic Network, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. Restless.